This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc. Hello, everybody. Welcome to church at all of our campuses. Wow, wow, wow. So good to see you. Did anybody wake up happy? Excited? Come on, give it up for all the dads one more time. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers at all of our campuses. And uh, I'm so excited about what we're going to get into in just a moment. But I really want to make sure that at all of our campuses that you know how grateful we are that you chose to carve this space out of your day to just come and and honor God and to honor fathers. And uh, we're just so delighted. We're just so thankful. This is, for those that may be new, Celebration is one church with three different locations. So right now, we're, we're gathered together through live technology. They're in Madeira, they're in Fresno, and here in Clovis. And we're getting ready all at the same time to hear from God and what God has for our lives. I do want to, again, give a huge shout-out to all the fathers and, uh, and uh, to all the men that influence uh, this generation. You know, you don't, it isn't a, 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 what makes a father is the influence, not, not having kids. And uh, I know my life has been impacted by so many different fathering figures in my life. In fact, my dad is here in our service today in Clovis. So I want to just say thank you, dad. I love you. You are awesome. I, I have a great, great, I've always had a, a great dad and I'm so grateful for that. I'm so thankful. But even at 6 o'clock this morning, 5.30, 6 o'clock, I started sending out text messages throughout the United States of men uh, who have impacted my life in a fathering way. And I just want to encourage you uh, that, that if you've been impacted by uh, a man, a, a fathering figure, I would encourage you to reach out and let them know so many fathers, so many dads, so many men uh, they just don't get it. They don't understand how how huge their influence is. And uh, for so many of us, we just don't feel like we, we measure up. So you can just give them a shout out and honor them in a special way. And, and here's another thing is maybe some of you don't have a great experience with your, your father. Uh, but I'm here to tell you, the Bible calls our, our, our Father in Heaven, our, our God in Heaven, a, a, a Heavenly Father, and He wants to be whatever you feel that's missing in your life. And God will also bring other people into your life to help be, bring, to be that influence. And so we're so grateful, so thankful for all the dads and all the fathers. One more time at all the campuses, give it up. Happy Father's Day, fathers. Man, it is hot out there, isn't it? Man, I'm telling you, they, they, they just, they just they've changed this in a hurry. It's so hot, the chickens are laying boiled eggs everywhere. <laughs> in fact, on my way to church, it's so hot, I saw a fire hydrant chasing a dog down the street. That's, that's funny. Some of you is going to take a while to get that. But those fire hydrants, love, they, they get relieved every once in a while by those dogs. In fact, I've seen two trees fighting over the same dog. It was so hot out there. Now, that's funny. You can't hear that stuff just anywhere. You've got to come to church. You've got to come to church to hear that stuff. Well, you ready for the word? We're in week, week three in a series of teachings called Clearly. I'm excited about this, this subject matter. It's a series about seeing your world through the eyes of God. Um, my hope for today uh, is that you would see 
clearly or clearly see that God wants to take shame off you. Shame off you. Uh, Before you check out and start playing with your iPhone or Android and checking the feed, I'm I'm here here to tell you this is... This is, this, is, this is such an important subject matter, more important than what you may have ever uh, thought, uh, because it is the number one weapon that the enemy uses in your life. And I, I pray, I beg that at all of the campuses that you would give me just a moment of time to really bring a word that I believe c- can really change your life in a huge way. And uh, so let's begin by praying. Father, we just thank you, God, for all those that are here today. God, I I so honor them for taking the time to to put them in this space, God, to hear truth from heaven. I pray that you would use me in a mighty way to be a voice from heaven, God, that answers would be delivered in all of our campuses, God, to the questions people are asking. Father, I pray that you give us clarity, God, on the subject matter, that you would give us laser-like focus, that there'd be no distraction that, God, we could hear you, God, and, and that our lives can be changed. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I'm going to read a, a few verses from the book of Second Samuel chapter 10. I've been waiting a long time to read this passage. It's kind of been one of those uh, passages that you don't get to read in, in, you know, every Sunday, and I've been hanging on to it, and I just felt like it was a, appropriate today. Uh, if you've never read the Bible, I'd encourage you to read the Bible. There's some funny things in the Bible. And I believe that God would have me read this and connect some principles that I believe is going to be really helpful today. Second Samuel chapter 10, beginning with verse 1, it says, Sometime after this, King Nahash of the Ammonites died, and his son Hanan became king. David said, I'm going to show loyalty to Hanan, just as his father Nahash was always loyal to me. So David sent ambassadors to express sympathy to Hanan about his father's death. But when David's ambassadors arrived in the land of Ammon, the Ammonite commander said to Hanan, their master, catch this now, do you really think these men are coming here to honor your father? No, they're not. not. They're not doing that. He goes on to say, David has sent them to spy out the city so they can come in and conquer it. Now catch this in verse 4. So Hanan seized David's ambassadors and shaved off half of each man's beard, cut off the robes at the buttocks. Not one laugh. Bunch of religious people. This is funny. This is in the Bible. One translation says that, that, that their garments was cut in the back so that their... The Bible doesn't say bud, just says bud X. So, so their rear ends are completely, don't get upset at me. This is in your Bible. You ought to read it sometime. This is better than Jerry Springer. It's all right here in the Bible. <laughs> Cut off their robes at the buttocks and sent them back. Now catch this to David in, uh, this is funny stuff, in shame. And when David heard what happened, he sent messengers to tell the men, stay in Jericho or stay at Jericho until your beards grow out, and then come back for, catch this, for they felt deep shame. Half their beards were cut off. The backside of their garments was removed. Come on, think about having to go to church like that today. How many of you are thankful that your backside of your garment is on you? 
I thought about giving an illustrated sermon today and cutting half my beard off so you get the point. Uh, and the Bible says they felt deep shame. We're going to talk about shame uh, today. We've all heard the phrase, shame on you. Shame on you. We're, we're raised, right? As kids, sometimes we, we didn't clean our room and Sometimes our parents would say, I told you to clean your room for the hundredth time. Shame on you. Maybe you mistreated your brother or sister and you heard those words, shame on you. Maybe you had better parents than that, but you went to school and you messed up and you heard your teacher say to you, shame on you. You know, even as adults, you may not hear it out loud, but It plays in your thoughts, that constant voice that says, shame on you. If we be honest with ourselves, none of us can get away from the constant voice when we've messed up, when we've blown it, when we've been embarrassed, those words that say, shame on you. You fell back into that addiction, shame on you. You were dishonest in that business deal, shame on you on you. You went through that divorce. Shame on you. Uh, You're such a bad father. You're such a bad mother. You're such a bad parent. Shame on you. You lost your job. Figures. You loser. Shame on you. You were unfaithful in that relationship. What What were you thinking anyhow? Shame on you. You've been neglecting your wife. You're a horrible husband. You raunchy father, you. No happy Father's Day for you, you, you shame on you. you. You didn't fix breakfast for your husband. Double shame on. Triple shame. Come on, somebody. Somebody help me at one of the campuses. Come on. We all know women ought to be fixing breakfast for their husbands, delivering it to them in bed with a cup of coffee to start their morning. Make them feel like a real man. You were rude to your mother-in-law. There's no shame in that. (laughs) That's terrible. (laughs) Uh, Many don't realize just how destructive shame really is. We, We use it so often to try to convince people to do better. But actually, it does just the opposite of that. It causes people to feel guilty and unworthy and undeserving. Um, This is kind of the clinical part of my message today. And my hope at all the campuses is that you don't don't turn me off here, that you really stay glued. Because we're going to break down some definitions so you really understand what we're talking about. And then we're going to really give some answers today to this attack on your life called Shame. Let's first understand what shame is. Here's a definition of shame. Shame is a negative emotion that comes from an awareness of wrongdoings and shortcomings. It's a brilliant definition when you truly understand shame. You see, in, in other words, it's, it's uh, you did wrong, you've been wrong, or you just simply don't measure up. Um, here's, here's another definition of shame. It is the intensely painful feeling that is experienced by believing you are flawed and therefore unworthy. You see, shame is a deep sense of unworthiness. 
Shame says there is something fundamentally wrong with me. Therefore, I'm unworthy and I'm undone. Shame says I'm I'm just not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not talented enough. I'm not strong enough. Shame is always on your shoulder at your doorstep saying, I'm not enough or you're not enough. I'm, you're lacking something. You're damaged goods. Shame, shame, shame. Now it's under, it's important to understand that shame and guilt, they're not the same thing. They're closely related, but they're not the same thing. And it's important we distinguish the difference. You see, shame is a focus on self where guilt is a focus on behavior. Uh, shame has to do, now catch this, very important, has to do with your identity, where guilt has to do with your actions. Uh, guilt is, is something you did. Shame is something you believe that you are. Uh, in other words, guilt says, I did something bad, where shame says, I am bad. Uh, guilt says, I failed. Shame says, I am a failure. Guilt says, I made a mistake. Shame says, I am a mistake. Understand, shame takes what you did and makes it who you are. Shame takes what you did and makes it who you are. One of the biggest tricks of the enemy is to take something that you did and to convince you that that is who you are. Many believers think uh, that Satan's main job is to, is to focus on temptation, but his main job is, is very clear. It's, it's called accusation. Um, in Revelations 10 and 3, the Bible's very clear that your enemy, Satan himself, that he is the accuser of God's people day and night. In other words, he's just constantly in your head, on your shoulder, in your ear, reminding you about what you did and who you are, attacking your sense of worth and value, accusing you, reminding you about what you did, what you didn't do, and what you're not. You see... Your enemy is not just trying to get you to do something you shouldn't do, but to convince you that you are something after you do something. That's powerful. To accuse you, to humiliate you, to shame you, therefore suffocating the very life of God out of you. In other words, you didn't just fail. You are a failure. You, you, you didn't just make a mistake, but you are a Mistake. That's what Satan's job is. That's what he constantly does, the Bible says. It's constantly making you feel like you're a loser, challenging your identity. Satan wants your identity to be defined by shame and not by what God has made you to be. Hear it and hear it clearly today at all the campuses. The whole objective of shame is to leave you feeling utterly worthless. Now, the danger, why this is so important, my prayer is that you don't turn me off. The danger of shame is that it drives you away from God. You know how many people aren't even in church today because of this, this enemy called 
Shame. And here's what you need to understand about shame. Shame connects you to your painful past and keeps you disconnected from an awesome future. Hmm. Satan is so skillful at using life and people and Twitter and Facebook and Instagram to shame you. He's so good. Psychologists will even tell you that there is an epidemic of shame in our culture. The problem is all they can do is medicate it. Um, in fact, they tell us that one of the core issues, hello, fathers, one of the core issues of men, for many men, is this issue called shame. I know for myself, even when it comes to Father's Day, you know, I can hear Happy Father's Day, Happy Father's Day, but even on the inside of me, and I've been an okay probably father, but even on the inside of me, I, I see my failure. I was, probably, I was probably a good father, but I wasn't a great father, and so easy to feel shame that, man, why did, why did I do that? And why did I say that to their mom in front of them? Things that I wish I could take back that I just can't get. Shame on you. Uh, so here's the question today. Uh, what are you ashamed about? What, 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 what are you ashamed about? What has tried to shame you in your life? What, what, what kind of failure? What kind of mistake? Or even this, what kind of mistreatment have you experienced that has shamed you? The idea for today, the big idea for today is this right here. When the enemy says, shame on you, God says, shame off you. (laughs) And before I get done, instead of having three people clap, I believe it's going to be outrageous, the excitement, because when you see the heart of God, that when the enemy wants to shame you, God is right there to take off of you what the enemy is trying to put on you. You need to hear today. Somebody needs to hear today. God wants to remove your shame. God wants to remove your shame, your shame. That identity that says you're no good for nothing, you're, you're worthless. So here is David getting back to our story that nobody laughed at, that I thought was real humorous. Here's David, he's king of Israel, and he hears that one of his old friends, King Nahash, has died. So David sends a few of his men, these are actually his mighty men, and uh, he sends them to console and comfort Hanan, the son who is next in line for the throne. And all David wants to do here is show kindness, to show honor and respect, and to, uh, to help a nation that is in grieving. And so what happens here is that he sends his guys there, and, um, and um, the people around this young king uh, convinces him that David's men are not really there to show kindness, that they're not there to comfort them, but actually they are there to spy out the land and to take advantage of this situation, that what they're really here to do is to gather intel so that they can at a later date invade our land. And so they convinced this 
this young man, this young king, new King Hanan, that David's men really aren't there to comfort them, but they're there to take advantage of them. So, so David's men are now being falsely accused and, and uh, that they have evil intent, that they're there trying to do something evil. So, so now King Hanan, this new king, takes these guys, takes David's men, and I want you to hear it today. That they, they shave off half their beards. And then they take out their backside of their garments so that their, their rear ends, their buttocks, I guess that's the biblical term. My, my wife just calls it a butt. <laughs> their buttocks, their rear end is, is exposed. And they did this, they did this to shame these mighty, these mighty men. This is absolutely humiliating. Half their beards are gone, and they have nothing to cover their rear ends. Um, now, I don't know if you understand this, but in those days, every, every man had a beard. Um, the beard in the Middle Eastern thinking is a huge deal. It's a big thing. Um, their beards had to, had to do with their identity. It had to do with their manhood. It had to do with their maturity and their authority. Uh, it represented their, their dignity and their honor. So to cut half of that off is, there, is, is you're messing with who I am. You're shaming me. You're, you're messing with my I, identity. And, and please understand these these men, I've said it already, these are, these are mighty men. They, they've, they've been out on other, if you read the Bible, they've already been out. and They're, they're great men of war. They, they don't come there with their weapons. They're on a peace mission. They're there to console and comfort. And uh, these, so these are mighty men. Um, and, and, and you have to know that they would have rather been, been beaten up or knifed or wounded than to be shamed like this. I mean... I mean, I mean, knife me. Don't cut my beard off. Beat me up. Don't, don't expose my rear end. This is humiliating. This is shaming them. So now these half-bearded men with exposed rear ends are sent back home, disgraced, disrespected, degraded, and dishonored. They're completely humiliated and shamed. Um, here's where the story gets really interesting. Before they can actually get home, David sends out one of his servants, and he, he tells him, take the guys and, 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 and take them to Jericho. Don't, don't let them come back home, because I don't want their wives, and I don't want their family and their kids and their friends to see them in this humiliation. I, I, don't, I don't want you to bring them to the town. I don't want the, the city to see the, the shame and the humiliation that, that these people have done to them. Take these guys to Jericho. And so David is saying, if we take them to Jericho, what's going to happen is their beards are going to grow out. And then what we'll do is we'll send a seamstress down there and we'll, we'll, we'll get some fabric and we'll cover up their, their rear ends. And, and uh, what David is saying is that we're not going to shame them. Shame on you. But what we're going to do is we're going to take the shame off of them. Take them to Jericho. Let their beards grow back. 
Cover up their rear ends. Let's not embarrass and humiliate them among their family and their friends and their relatives. I need to stop here and make this point in the story. Uh, these guys, they're just doing the will of the king. They're, they're just doing what King David asked them to do. And I'm just here to tell somebody at one of our campuses today uh, that you can be doing everything right in the will of God and still be shamed. In life, you will find yourself wounded by shame. Um, I like this about David because it's such a great truth, such a great principle, such a great help for all of us. Instead of David putting shame on them and laughing at them and humiliating them, David took the shame off of them. First of all, King David, number one, King David protected them. We reread it in the story. He, he sends them to Jericho. He didn't expose them. He, he covered them. Uh, King David put them in a place where they could, where, where, the, where their where beer could be grown back, and he put them in a place that their shame could be removed. He, he didn't expose them. He covered them. He, he protected them. He put them in a place that shame could be removed. The second thing that King David did is David restored them. As I said, he put them in a place where, where their beards could grow again and their dignity could grow, grow again and their honor could grow again. He put them in a place where they could get some fabric and cover up what, would, what was missing. Um, David says, you know, we're not going to shame them. We're going to fix the issue. We're going to fix the garment. We're going to restore what shame took away. So, so King David, he protected them and King David restored them. We didn't read it, but if you was to read the rest of the story, you'll find out this, that King David defended them. In fact, David got so upset that he sent the rest of his mighty men out, and uh, they took care of business, needless to say. They ended up wiping out all those people that had shamed David's men. David, King David, King David defended them. I want you to hear it again. David didn't put shame on them. King David took it off them. King David protected them. King David restored them. King David defended them. And this is the moment I need you to really wake up and hear, because here comes the application. I'm here today at all the campuses to remind you that you too have a king. Come on, somebody. And I'm here to tell you that your king wants to take the shame off you. What the enemy has tried to put on you, King Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, wants to take the shame off of you. I'm preaching better than you're shouting today. Come on, is this helping anybody at any of the campuses? How many of you are thankful you have a king of kings that wants to take the shame off of you? And, and let's go through this real quick so you understand. Just like David did, King Jesus will protect you. We have a king that doesn't want to humiliate you, but he wants to cover you. In fact, Jesus wants to remove the shame and protect you from the destruction. Jesus, hear me, wants to take you to a place called 
not Jericho, but a place called the cross that can remove all your shame. I'll shout for myself. Did you hear that? Jesus has got a place called the cross that can remove your shame. I, I don't know if you know. I know some of you are new to this. Some of you are old to this. Some of you have just forgotten this. But I'm here to tell you, when Jesus died upon that cross, he died and took your shame. Isaiah 50 and 6 says it this way. I gave my back to those who struck me. And my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. A lot of people don't understand, but Jesus was vulnerable in that moment when he hung up on that cross. He was exposed. He was naked and humiliated, despised and disgraced. He was a perfect man. He didn't do it because he was just feeling, feeling bad for himself. He did it to take care of our sin. and our. He hung there naked humiliated, not for his sin and not for his shame, but for your shame, for your worthless identity. He nailed it on that cross. Hebrews 12 and 2 says it this way. He suffered death on the cross. He accepted the shame. What shame? Our shame. You see, Jesus not only died on the cross to take sin off you, not only died upon the cross to take sickness off of you and poverty off you, Please understand, Jesus died on the cross to take shame off of you. Jesus shamed our shame on the cross. Come on. Shame was put on him so that shame could come off of you. Hear it today. Regardless if you did something wrong or something was done to you, God has removed 2,000 years ago. I I don't know if I'm, I'm making this point. I feel like the Spirit of God just wants me to slow down here in this. But do you realize when he died on the cross, he took that shame, that, that baggage of stuff you carry around that makes you feel worthless. And he exposed himself naked on a cross, was humiliated, spit upon, took the shame. He says, he says I, I took that shame. Why? So that shame could come off of you. So that when the devil would say, shame on you, I know what you did. you no good for nothing. I, I seen you on the computer last night. I seen what you looked at. You bad father, you. You've treated, mistreated your... And, and every time the Satan wants to say, shame on you, shame on you. Jesus is on that cross saying, shame off you. Shame off you. Shame off you. Shame off you. Just like David did, King Jesus will protect you, he'll cover you, he'll remove the shame. The second thing is just like David did, King Jesus will restore you. A lot of people don't know this part, but you need to hear it today. Jesus wants to restore what was lost. In other words, your beard can grow back. (laughs) This is a good time to just turn to your neighbor, especially if it's a lady, and say, hey, your beard's growing. Go ahead, tell them. Come on, would you help me at all? You bunch of wimps, you... Come on, just turn to your neighbor at all campuses. Say, come on, I want to hear you. Say, your beard's growing. Come on, this is a Father's Day service. I like that. Woo. Come on. God wants to restore you. He wants to restore what's lost. Your beard can grow again. Your honor can grow again. Come on, your dignity can grow again. Your, your, Your authority can grow again. 
Come on, your purpose, your destiny can grow again. I'm here to tell you, whatever shamed you, God takes notice and He wants to restore. And not just restore. Notice what the Bible says here in Isaiah 61 and 7. Instead of shame and dishonor, as God's promise to you, you shall have a double portion of prosperity and everlasting joy. Come on, isn't the Word of God awesome? Come on. God said, I took notice of what the enemy did to you. I seen that they took, that they took half your beard off. I seen that they exposed your rear end. But here's what I'm getting ready to do. Come on. I'm going to give you double for the trouble. I'm going to double bless you. Come on. You thought it was over, but I'm getting involved. Your beard's growing. Your honor's growing. Your dignity's growing. Your purpose is coming back. Just like David. King Jesus will also defend you. Not only will he protect you, not only will he restore you, but he'll defend you. God takes notice of every wrong. I'm here to tell you, God will deal with what has tried to shame you. Even if you brought it upon yourself, God wants that shame off you. Even if you was mistreated by another person, God wants it off of you. And notice what Romans 12, 19 says concerning God's desire in dealing what has shamed you. Do not seek revenge. Turn it over to God. For the scripture says, revenge is mine. I will settle all scores. Wow. So some of you, some of you feel like your rear end's been showing. Some of you feel like you've been walking around with half of a beard. Shame off you today. Shame off you today. Shame off. Come on, I'm talking to some fathers, some men. Shame off you today. I, I want to close this service today with, with a story that's really impacted my life. I'm almost out of time, but, but in, 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 in Zechariah, I think it's chapter 3. Um, in fact, you can read it there, but this story has so impacted my life. It's a story that God had me go to in the beginning of the year. And you've heard me talk about it earlier on in the year, but I want to just remind you because it's such a picture of what I've been preaching today. It's, it's God's desire to take shame off of you. And what happens is the prophet Zechariah, the preacher Zechariah, God, God shows up to him and shows him a vision. And in this vision, he shows them Joshua, the high priest. And Joshua is standing there and he's got filthy clothes on. They're dirty. They're they're, 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 they're just filthy. And, 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 and God tells Zechariah that those filthy clothes, those, those, those filthy clothes represents his sin. It represents his shame. And then the Bible says that in this vision, Zechariah saw Satan there. And Satan was there opposing Joshua. Uh, Satan was there accusing Joshua. Well, what does that sound like? Joshua, look at what you've done. Filthy clothes. You know good for nothing. Shame on you. I've seen how you mistreated your wife. I've seen how you mistreated your husband. I've seen how you treated your kids. I, I, I saw what you looked at last night. I, I saw what you did last night. I saw what you took last night. Shame on you, Joshua. Shame on you, Joshua. Shame on you. And then in the vision, there is Jesus. 
And immediately as the enemy is accusing them and accusing them, shame on you, shame on you, Jesus lifts his voice. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible. And Jesus says this, Satan, the Lord rebuke you. Oh, I'm telling you, that's a whole nother level. It's one thing for you to rebuke the Lord. I mean, I rebuke the Satan, but it's a whole nother game when Jesus gets involved and rebukes the accuser of your life. And that moment, the accuser went silent. It was at that moment, Jesus looked at the angel and said, take his dirty garments off him, take the shame off him, and put on, the Bible says, these rich, calls them rich, put on these rich garments. It's a picture. It's a picture of what I'm preaching today. It's a picture of Christianity. The enemy comes and he tries to shame you with what you did hoping that it becomes the identity of who you are so you feel like you're worthless and now you're connected to your past and you can't live into your future. But Jesus is here today. He's reminding you that he silenced the enemy some 2,000 years ago when he died upon a cross naked and exposed for your shame. He took shame on him so that shame could be taken off you, so that you could be disconnected from your past and you could have a destiny and a future. Come on, somebody. Woo! I'm here to tell you your best days are still ahead of you. Come on, God's got a great purpose and call upon your life. You see, Jesus doesn't see you the way the enemy sees you. He sees you as the apple of his eye. He sees you as the very image and likeness of almighty God. He sees you as his masterpiece. He sees you as a conqueror. He sees you as more than an overcomer. That's how God sees you. He doesn't see you as a loser. He sees you as a winner, an overcomer. Come on in all of our campuses. Give it up for King Jesus. So, so here it is. I, I feel like there's so much in that I could preach all day, but, but we got to get you to your buffet. Dear Jesus, we're going to starve if we don't get out of here. Here's the answer. It's one last verse. It's the answer. Well, you might say, Pastor, man, that's good. But, but how do I do that? How do I, how do I get this operating in my life? It's simpler than what you think. It's, it's just really simple. Here's what it says right here. Romans 9.33. Whoever believes in him, Jesus, will not be put to shame. All you've got to do is turn the switch of belief on. To believe what I just preached to you. That Jesus didn't hang naked on a tree for himself. He was perfection. God himself in the flesh. That Jesus did not do that for himself. That he wasn't humiliated and exposed because he just thought it was a good idea. But he actually was humiliated and exposed so that shame could come off you. And all you got to do is believe that some 2,000 years ago, just simply turn this way. God, I believe it. And you've taken a step where then God can do the rest and start ripping that junk off of you. Come on, somebody shout, I'm a believer. Come on, somebody shout, I'm a believer. And all of our campuses, stand to your feet. I want you to say this with me as we close this service. Some of you, you haven't responded all service long. You better hurry up because it's almost over. 
If you're going to get anything out of this service, you might as well hurry up. Say this with me. Say, I believe that Jesus took my shame on the cross. I believe that Jesus on the cross removed my shame. Therefore, therefore, little louder, little louder, shame is off me in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for all the people that made that declaration of faith, their belief released. God, I pray for miracles to take place, identities to be transformed. God, I pray the accuser to be shut up this day once and for all, that these are your people. This is, these are your masterpiece, God. They're, they're the apple of your eye. And I pray, God, whatever the enemy has done to to humiliate them and harm them and abuse them and to shame them, that God, the healing power of God, would go into that situation and bring healing and remove every form of shame in their lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc.